Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Clever Girls Know podcast. This is Bola Shokumbi. I'm the founder and CEO of Clever Girl Finance. The Clever Girls Know podcast is a podcast for women, offering a space for conversations around personal finance, business, life, and living. I'd love for you to subscribe to this podcast, and you can do that everywhere you listen to your podcast episodes. And if you love what you listen to, head on over to iTunes and leave a review so that other amazing women just like you can find this podcast as well. I'd also love for you to stop by clevergirlfinance.com. We have new content on the blog multiple times a week. We have over 30 plus free courses. Plus, when you sign up for a course, you can talk to a Clever Girl Finance mentor for free to get encouragement, motivation, or if you just want to have an open, no shame, no judgment girl talk. Finally, check out our YouTube channel. Just search Clever Girl Finance on YouTube. And if you don't already follow us on Instagram, you can find us at Clever Girl Finance. Okay, so let's get into today's episode. Hey, Julie. Hi. Welcome back to the Clever Girls Know podcast. I am so excited to have you back on as a guest for the second time. Thank you so much. It's been a while, so I am so happy to be back too. Yes, you were on to share your investing journey and expertise because I interviewed you in my second book, Grow Your Money. And now we're four books in. Time has passed. Time has passed. (laughs) I know. But for folks who are not familiar with you or who haven't heard that episode, please tell us who you are and what you do. Yes. So hi, everyone. My name is Julie Alma Tavares. I go online by Investing Latina. And I started sharing my story about how I started investing when I was 19 years old. I didn't know what in the world I was doing, but I started investing and I started learning. And after I started investing, I got a little sidetracked and started spending a lot of money on luxury (laughs) goods. And I got myself into so much debt. And after realizing that, you know, I preferred and I found it to be more important to have a financially strong life than to have a fashionable life, (laughs) I really started to dig myself out of that debt. And it took me a couple of years to do that, but I eventually did. And after that, it's been kind of like no turning back in terms of how my finances really went to the next level. So I started investing more. I figured out a strategy to buy property and I started my own business, Investing Latina, where I teach others how to start investing. And it's been really great. And and now I'm at the place where I've even invested into venture capital. So it's, it's really been kind of a blessing to go through really tough time in life, but it really was worth it for now what I can say is a financially powerful life. And I love that. And I also loved sharing your story in the book. So if you want to learn more about Julie, Investing Latina on Instagram, also investinglatina.com. And then you can pick up a copy of Clever Girl Finance, Grow Your Money. She highlights her entire story in one of the interviews I do of women who have successful investing stories. She highlights her story in the book and I was so excited to feature you in there. And to learn more about Julie's story, like the deep dive, you can also check out episode 136 of the podcast. So thank you so much for sharing about your background. And for everyone listening, Julie and I are not just business friends. We're also friends outside of the business world. (laughs) So we're real life friends. And so it's always nice to have you know, real life friends on the podcast. 
Yes. And it's always something with us, you know, we're like talking about what's next, what's (laughs) happening, what's trending, what we got to look out for and always like how to make more money. Right. (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) So I think it's really timely that you're on the podcast because with everything going on, talks of us entering a recession in the U.S. or already being in a recession, talks of inflation, not even just talks of inflation, the reality of inflation right at the gas pump in the grocery stores, et cetera. A lot of people have questions about investing and also have hesitancy around investing. So I, I thought that this would be a timely discussion to talk about investing while surviving. And that was actually your topic idea. So the first question I have for you is, should we still be investing? <laughs> Man, there is so much going on right now, right? We are seeing the cost of everything, including gas, including food, Clothes prices are going up everywhere. The value of our dollar is decreasing every single day. And really, the most important thing to know is that even with all of that happening, it's actually more reason why we need to be protecting our assets, our money, and investing into the stock market. We have to always figure out what sort of small way we can continue to invest, even if it's a small amount. I remember when I was broke because I was negative, negative, negative in balance. And I still put a little bit of something into my 401k. I still put a little bit of something into the accounts that were actually kind of on the on the positive, you know. And even when we're seeing a lot of these kind of fearful headlines of the stock market going down and, you know, there might be a crash. Listen. This is how the stock market works, everyone. I have been investing for the past 15 years and Mm -hmm. it has gone up and down, up and down, up and down. But if one had to win, it's always up, (laughs) has always been the one on top. Okay. And it makes sense why the word is up, right? Because it's ultimately (laughs) the winner in the battle of, of stock market craziness. So definitely investing is important. And I know that for depending on what your situation is and and how much money you're making, you know, perhaps maybe you might even be in a situation where you're in between jobs or not making money. You always have to kind of adjust your overall budget, your survival budget to accommodate those changes, those financial changes in life. And that's why I always tell people it's okay for you to go from having a job and investing maybe $200 a month to perhaps not having a job, but still try your best to invest maybe if it's only $10. So that's obviously a big decline, a big decrease, but try your best to never just go to zero because what you do when you make those changes to your financial accounts in terms of what you're putting into your investments to zero, you're really eliminating any sort of opportunity that you could have had to make that money grow for you. Yeah. And I agree with that. You know, it's, I definitely believe that, you know, it's important to invest for the long term, especially when we're investing small amounts over time. And that's where a lot of people are starting from. Most people don't have a lump sum of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars to just invest, right? People are investing small amounts of their paychecks, of their business checks to build that nest egg over time. And so I definitely believe that if you are earning money, you should be investing. And sometimes, you know, you go through a financial difficulty where maybe you've lost a job, a huge unexpected expense comes up and you need to pause for a, a few weeks, a few months. And that's OK, as long as you don't forget to come back 
to that consistent investing, right? There are some times where you need every single dollar, like you just can't spare a dollar. And there's some times where, you know what, you got some spare change because you sold some things in your closet. You you did a side hustle real quick. You got a part-time job. You earned some money. In those instances, even when there's no consistency with your income, you still want to determine what percentage of this money can I invest? Like Julie just mentioned, $10 a month, then $10 a week. That is still something. You may not think it's anything, but it's similar to what I always talk about, maintaining the habit and consistency around saving, which is doesn't matter how small, you just want to keep doing it so you don't forget that you need to, or you don't get to a point where you tell yourself that you don't have to, right? It's about maintaining the momentum. So even if it's just a small amount you transfer, it's definitely still worthwhile. And my next question for you, Julie, was around panic and fear. And you you sort of alluded to that, but I wanted to talk about it some more because you know, a lot of times, and it's it's almost the same scenario over and over again, you see the stock market crash or decline, right? Let me not use the word crash because <laughs> a crash to me is the end of the world. Like everything is done. The market has crashed. It's at zero. And when they use the word crash, that's rarely what it is. It has declined to a certain percentage. The market closes the next day, you know, people are talking about it in the headlines. But what happens is that people tend to sell in panic mode and lose a lot of money. So can you just talk a bit more about managing fear and anxiety about investing, especially during a time like this when the the news just has so much to say about how poorly the economy and the markets are doing? Yeah. So my biggest tip regarding anxiety, because I know what it feels like when you are literally looking at all of your accounts, you're keeping very close track, you've been doing a great job at budgeting, but you know, obviously you look at your accounts and things are down, right? Because that's the nature of investments and the stock market is lower, you know, compared to maybe what you saw two months ago or or six months ago. And what I like to do is I really kind of like to not look at it as frequently. I think that that's has always been pretty helpful, especially after I really got the hang of just being, like you said, consistent and diligent with just making sure that I'm doing my part. If my part is being done, which is the contribution to that account, then I don't have much to worry about because I know when I made the decision to start investing, it was based on a lot of this great research and great advice in terms of investing the very diversified funds and doing it dollar cost averaging, which is really getting the price, you know, splitting up and investing consistently every single month or every two weeks, whatever cadence you'd like and prefer, and making sure that you are doing it over time. Once you're doing that, and once you've made that decision that that is who you are, that you are an investor and that you are powerful, you continue to do your part and the market will do its part. And it might not do it according to the timeline that you think is right. Because that's why we always say when we talk about investing, don't try to time the market. Don't try to say, oh, you know what? The market is you know, bad right now. So I'm not going to invest, right? I'm, or I'm going to, I don't want it to get worse. So let me sell my investments. Don't try to time the market by doing those kind of things. Really do your best to, when you see that there's a lot of conversation, there's a lot of activity going on and a lot of talk about the markets going down, just, you know, look away and focus on another part of life, which is making more money, right? When you're focused on making more money, when you're focused on your income, your career, your work, your family, 
in terms of like, what is it that I can do to increase how much money I bring in for us? Then you're not thinking so much about what those numbers look like. So really, Again, the biggest tip that I think has always worked for me is when things are a little shaky, try not to look too much. And remember that you should still be dollar cost averaging. You should still be investing. And if you're actually selling your investments, when you panic, you're not thinking clearly. And you're going to see that you're going to regret that, that decision because when you sell at a loss, that's it. You know, you've executed the selling of that investment. And now you have, in order to get back into it, you have to rebuy. And maybe you won't even be able to get that price that you sold it at, right? And maybe you're going to have to pay more for it in the future. So it's best to hold on to it, to not look as often and still continue to invest. That's sound advice. And for me, when people ask me, I always tell them to look at the facts, right? And the facts are tied to the history. It's what has happened and it doesn't lie and the story doesn't change. And that history is that despite the short-term dips and declines in the market, the trajectory of the stock market has always been up because of a variety of reasons, right? Population continues to grow. So demand continues to increase. Supply is limited. And when you're investing in a broadly diversified way, you have the opportunity to spread your dollars across all of these industries that are servicing the needs of human beings, whether it's from core essentials to nice to haves. And these industries are all growing as population and demand and, you know, technology grows. So the other thing is that it's something that I had heard Warren Buffett said, say, or I read in I have a book of little Warren Buffett, like investing gems. I forget what the book is called and it's not in front of me, but he talked about, you know, like panic during stock market declines. And he looks at it as a stock market on sale, right? We all love a good sale. I'm sure, Julie, you love a good sale and a good pair of designer shoes. Yes, I do. <laughs> you know, even if you weren't <laughs> considering it full price, once it hits that discount, we're on it. And that's how we want to look at the stock market. But going back to what you said, combining that understanding that when the market is low, there's a potential for opportunities, but combining that with doing our research and making sure that we're getting into the right type of opportunities and opportunities that we understand. And I also love what you said about when things are down, you just don't look. And honestly, you know, there was a day, I think I, we had texts and I was like, oh my God, girl, <laughs> I just checked my account. And Throw I said, how do that? Throw it in the trash. <laughs> don't look. It does not help you, especially if your timeline is well, well out into the future, right? Like I don't need the money that we're investing anytime soon. The money we're investing for, for my kids, we don't need it for them anytime soon. So what am I panicking about today when it's something I don't need 15, 20, 30 years down the line, right? And so I think another way to minimize that panic also is the money you need right now for your short-term goals under five years, you shouldn't be investing in the stock market. Yes. You want to keep that money in short-term liquid investment. So certificates of deposit, uh, money market accounts, cash, those are all ways that you can keep that money without having it being impacted by short-term market declines. Mm -hmm. And also, you know, because it's short-term money, it doesn't get that big inflation hit that happens over decades of keeping your money in cash. And the other thing I just wanted you to highlight, Julie, was you mentioned dollar cost averaging. But for those who are listening that are not familiar with that term, can you explain it to them? Yes. So with dollar cost averaging, you're really kind of mixing up the price that you're buying an investment for. 
So when you go in with your investment strategy, you really try your best to make a decision on what sector you're going to invest in, what category you're going to do, some of the easiest and most simplest ways to go about getting started. If you really don't have anything, you're starting from scratch with your portfolio is investing in the S&P 500. So that's a whole category in itself, right? Those are the top 500 companies. And that means that you're going to get a lot of diversification. You know, 500 is a big number. Imagine if you had to go in and one by one buy every single one of those companies, that would take way too long. <laughs> so what you do when you buy a fund that mirrors the S&P 500, you're getting that mix of all of those companies with just one click, which is amazing. So on top of deciding what it is that you're going to invest in and that you're going to, like I said earlier, be consistent with doing it, whether it be biweekly or monthly, you are going to realize that the pricing when you buy them on that schedule that you set for yourself, let's say it's the first of the month, is going to vary. So on January 1st, you're going to buy a fund that's at maybe, let's say, $15, right? Because remember, y'all, the funds that are out there are not expensive. You can buy... <laughs> 500 companies for just $15. Isn't that crazy? It's really cool. And it's amazing. And, and that didn't really exist many years ago. And it does now. So don't get started if you haven't, obviously, right? So you're going to start January 1st, and you're going to pay $15 for it. February 1st, the market, let's say, goes down and it's at $14. March 1st, it's suddenly $12. Oh my God, it's less than what I bought it for in January. My portfolio returns are lower, you know, even though I've been putting more money into it. And then let's say six months later, August, September comes around and all of a sudden the market went right back up. And all of a sudden your, this same investment is $18. So all of those prices are going to be different. And that's a good thing for you as an investor, because that means that you're taking advantage of when it's high, you're taking advantage of when it's low, and you're building your portfolio based on the, this average price. So by the end of the year in December, you can do the calculation like, okay, I bought 10 share, I bought 12 shares, I bought one share per month, and my average price was $13.85, let's say. So that's what the beauty of dollar cost averaging is. It really allows you to invest every single month, whatever cadence you want, but ultimately you get a price that's in between and not like buying all of it all in one shot. Because imagine if you would have bought all of it in January, you would have just gotten that $15 price. But because you spread out your money and because you did it little by little, you got a better price. You got it for the $13 and change as an average. Exactly. So with dollar cost averaging, you're able to draw an average because you're buying, like you said, when it's high and when it's low. And so this is you not timing the market you just investing consistently and drawing that average over time. And statistics and studies show that people who invest on a dollar cost averaging basis typically do much, 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 much better than people who try to time the market. Because when you try to time the market, even the experts, even the computers don't get it right. They don't. <laughs> they really don't. That's why we have to just, you know, create that strategy for yourself and kind of do this sort of thing where you're setting it and forgetting it. But I will say that even though setting and forgetting is a great part of, of getting into investing, you always want to make sure that you're reviewing your finances ever so yeah. often and deciding, hey, can I do more? You know, am I, did I get a little bit of a raise? Am I making 
more money? Can I do something differently? You can put it on your calendar and decide to do that every six months or just once. I love doing it once a year because that way I do it once and I don't really think about it for the next 12 months. But you can, of course, choose how often you would like to do it. But it's an important part to always be critical, like think critically. I mean, in terms of what is it that you're doing and are you still in line with what the strategy is and are you doing your part? Like I said, all of this has the majority of getting to the place where you have a really great portfolio is the part that I'm supposed to do being done. Hey everyone, before we continue with this podcast episode, I'd love for you to check out the best-selling Clever Girl Finance book series. There are three books in the series and the first book is Clever Girl Finance, Ditch Debt, Save Money and Build Real Wealth. The second book is Grow Your Money, Learn How Investing Works. And the third book is called The Side Hustle Guide, Build a Successful Side Hustle and Increase Your Income. You can also check out my fourth book called Choosing to Prosper, Triumphing Over Adversity, Breaking Out of Comfort Zones, Achieving Your Life and Money Dreams. And this book highlights my personal story to building a business of impact and challenges you as the reader to dig deep into laying out what you truly want to accomplish for yourself. I wrote each of these books to empower women just like you to achieve your goals and get to the point where you're living the life you desire on your own terms. If you love these books, be sure to tell your best girlfriends and they also make the perfect gift. These books are available everywhere books are sold and you can purchase them as ebooks, audiobooks, and also physical books. And you can also ask your local library to order them as well. Thank you so much. And let's get back to the episode. That's really important. And one thing I wanted to add on to what we talked about earlier, just about in terms of investing and managing panic and fear, we talked about having the money you need for your short-term goals kept liquid, not in the stock market. And just as a reminder to everyone, you guys already know this, especially if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, but if you don't, no shame. (laughs) The reminder is your emergency savings are key, right? This way, if there is uncertainty, a job loss, an emergency, you have a fallback plan and you don't have to cash out your investments, especially when there's a stock market decline or a dip and it's not even on your timeline or your investing objectives to cash out right now, you can fall back on that emergency savings and keep your investments intact. So it's really important that you have your emergency savings in place. So Julie, I wanted to talk about specifically investing with inflation and how does one plan? So let's set the stage. So let's say, you know, I make every two weeks $1,000, right? Or $2,000. And if you're listening, you can just tie this back into your income. And the price of gas has perhaps doubled. We saw it almost double. It's come back down, but it's still not what it used to be. We're seeing groceries, basic essentials, your eggs, your milk, your breakfast meats, things like that up at around 30%. So the grocery bill is more expensive. And these costs, you know, tied to inflation are cascading into other aspects, right? Your hairdresser starts charging you more money. You know, it costs more money to send your kids to camp. Your babysitter is like, oh, you know what? Inflation is hard. I need more money. Your salary is not changing, right? If you're working a corporate job or you charge a certain amount for your products and services, you can't automatically, it's hard to just triple your services overnight, what you charge people. It's very likely that your employer is not giving you an inflation raise, right? So your income doesn't change that much right away, but your expenses have changed. How do you balance higher expenses with the same income, but still trying to invest. Yeah. When we are sort of pushed against the wall in terms of what things are costing, which it really feels that way right now with such like sharp increases, 
of prices on things, it almost feels like as soon as you get the money, it's gone, right? It's like, okay, what happened there? I used to have a little bit of wiggle room. I used to be able to do a little bit of fun stuff, right? And spend on activities that I enjoyed. And it really ultimately, I think, comes down to those things being the ones that we have to sacrifice and get really in the place of not being able to do. I think that ultimately ends up being what happens because obviously we can't eat. You know, we could in terms of eating less. Yes, you can try to do that, but we still need to eat three times a day, right? But I think that an important part of being very financially wise is also looking at what the numbers truly are and adjusting your survival number based on the needs. So I talk a lot about survival because it was what I felt and had to go through when I was struggling a lot, when I had all that debt. And really in my mind, I was putting myself in the position because I wanted to reach these financial goals. I I wasn't allowing myself to do all of these extra things that I really enjoy doing. And it made it pretty difficult. And I think that we're facing that. And for some people, it could be that you could try to ignore it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I think with inflation being so high and so sharp, there is no getting around it, right? We are not, we're not, like you said, we're not making more. We're not getting paid more. We're not getting any increases, especially in the middle of the year, right? If anything, the increases are coming in December or January when it's time. But I think that reducing your expenses is almost impossible this year. So I feel like that's something that really cannot happen. It's impossible to reduce the basic needs, your food, your gas, your rent, But I will say that you can try small hats. And I always talk about small financial wins. If I can save a couple dollars per day, that's some money that I could put towards my investments, right? Mm -hmm. So it doesn't have to be huge money in order for you to really feel like you have control. So when we're thinking about the things that have gone up the most, like you said, breakfast meats and even fish, it has gone up those things and eggs, everything, (laughs) everything, but they've gone up the most. They've gone up about 14%, right? And there's things that when it comes to the food category, but there are still are things like the, in the produce category, those things have only gone up 7%, you know, and yes, it is still annoying (laughs) because it's like, why? Why are their prices higher? You can try to use those bits of information, that financial intel to make slightly different decisions. Because if you can have a small financial win on a daily basis, those little things really do tend to add up. And ultimately, obviously, you're also looking at things that are healthier and better for you. So I do think that we're definitely in challenging times, but I also do believe that we have to keep having these conversations, you know, keep learning. This podcast is such a resource for all things that are happening right now so that you can find those money hacks. That never is going to go away. You could be, you know, making $25,000 a year. And one day you could be making $400,000 a year. Having good tools and having understanding good money hacks is going to be something that you're going to do your entire life. So it won't matter how much you're making, you're still going to think about those things. And I think that's what makes us strong in a financial perspective and also just a very adaptable and very smart human beings. If you're looking for resources on, you know, money hacks, we have a couple articles that are trending on Clever Finance right now. The first one is 
frugal ways to save money or creative ways to save money. And the second one is the step up extremely frugal ways to save money. And these are things I think that everyone can do. I personally don't do all of them, obviously, but there are things that I want to try and things that I have done and continue to do that work extremely well. And there are things that you wouldn't even think about on an ordinary day because you're so used to doing things the way that you do them. And you don't realize how much extra you could save by just attempting to try one or two frugal hacks. And so just to give you some context about the extreme hacks, <laughs> one of them is basically setting a goal, setting an intention to never throw away any food ever, which means that unless it's bad. So basically you have to use up your food before it gets bad, before it gets expired, which means you have to get creative with the meals that you make. And I guarantee you that every single one of us has something in our fridge, our freezer, our pantry that we may not want to eat. We're too lazy to cook. <laughs> and we're going to go to the grocery store and buy something else when we could just cook that stuff and then put that grocery money into the investment account. And again, this is a frugal hack. If you're really serious about saving money, this is worth trying, right? Another one is to borrow everything. <laughs> Thinking of buying something, well, who can I borrow that iron from? <laughs> I love that one. Oh my God. Who can I borrow some salt from, some sugar, some flour? Hey, neighbor. <laughs> and then the other thing is doing things like putting your clothes on the line dryer outside. It's summertime instead of using your dryer because your dryer, you know, is going to add to your electricity bill. Taking cold showers because hot water adds to your electricity bill giving up your smartphone because you can take off that data plan. Even if you only do it for a month, you can put that extra money you save and people are like, oh girl, please. <laughs> but again, we're talking about frugal, extreme frugal hacks. You can put that money you save into your investment account. Another thing is stop giving gifts. You can't afford to give gifts because you're not saving for your long-term future self. Tell folks, you know what? I'm trying to save for the next three months, no gifts. And the money you're going to spend buying gifts, put them into your savings account. Another crazy hack is using, it's not crazy because again, let me take back that word crazy because for many people, this is normal. This is what they enjoy doing. This is how they like to save money. So I wouldn't say crazy. I'll just say different for many people. Another different hack is using cloth diapers or even reusable menstrual products. So these are all different ideas. When you start to say, I cannot save money. I don't have any dollar to spare. Yeah. What is the extra discomfort, the extra step, the extra creativity you can take to save a few extra dollars here and there? And you'll be surprised at how much it adds up. For example, I didn't realize that it is cheaper to make your own detergent once you figure out how to do it. Cut your own hair here and there, right? Stop eating out completely. <laughs> Look what's in your freezer. <laughs> yes, because we have food in there. Like it's crazy. And especially the one about menstrual that you mentioned, when mm -hmm. I started using the Diva Cup, which is, you know, a menstrual cup, there are many brands out there. That was just mm -hmm. the one that I ended up choosing. I can't believe like how less stress I had to deal with. Like, oh my God, do I have a tampon with me? Do I have pads with me? This and that. And like, the waste and the space that it takes up in your home, you know, in your bathroom and stuff like that. I think that's such a great tip. And, and I think, you know, as women, everything is more expensive for us. Hello, beauty, yep. hair, tax. Stuff. Hello, pink tax. Everything. The pink tax is not fun. And so I think that is a great, great one. So I'm so happy that you mentioned that one because I think for women, it's just, it can be hard. You know, it can be hard to really keep up with what society wants us to be and look like. 
all while trying our best to just survive, right? And to invest for our future. So yeah, do everything you can explore. And I know that for me, it was weird at first. I was like, I don't think I want to do this, but now I'm just so used to it, you know? So your habits do change once you give it a try. So never be afraid to try something new, to try a new hack, because you might be surprised and you might really not only like it, but it will make your life easier. And I think that's a big part of having this sort of peace that we look for in life. Yeah, it's so important. So definitely visit cleverallfinance.com. Check out those tips. Visit Julie's Instagram page, Investing Latina. She shares tons of investing tips. And then the one question I wanted to ask you is, are you doing anything differently when it comes to your investments right now? Or are you just pretty much doing the same as what you have done? And I'll share mine as well. Well, I think that the biggest difference in terms of my investing strategy in the past couple of years is really being more comfortable with crypto now because it is being so widely adapted. At first, of course, when crypto came out about 10, 12 years ago, everybody was like, yeah, no, that's crazy. (laughs) I'm not doing that. It wasn't proven, right? But now as we see a little bit more of history and there's more data, I've become more comfortable with crypto. So that's what's new in my portfolio. But I will say, y'all, it's a small part of the portfolio, okay? I'm not talking about spending all my money on Dogecoin or whatever. (laughs) I'm talking about really just slightly diversifying my investments because it's all split up between the stock market, real estate, crypto, you know, and even goods that, that we have, the things that we buy and hold on to, right? That can retain value. So I think that's the biggest difference. But other than that, it's still pretty much the same because I'm still doing dollar cost averaging, even with a new asset class with the crypto. Uh And, you know, so it's still going well. I'm excited to really see what the portfolio will look like in five years, in 10 years. And it's going to be really exciting to get to those, to like the million dollar goal, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, one thing I thought of when you talked about dollar cost averaging is, a lot of people feel like they have to invest a certain amount of money. But if you are working with an inconsistent income, right, let's say you have a small business, a side hustle, whatever it might be, you don't have to invest a specific amount every week, every two weeks, every month. Instead, you can go on a percentage basis. So you will invest X percent of X amount of money you make each time you get paid. That way, as opposed to holding yourself to, I must invest X amount and not having it and feeling sad, you hold yourself to, I'm going to invest 5%, 10% of whatever I get paid so that you, you're you able to do that even when your income is inconsistent. But yeah, I love that you are diversifying into you know different asset types. Cryptocurrency is here to stay. You know, Cryptocurrency, NFTs, the whole blockchain, digital assets is something that's not going anywhere as long as technology remains around. <laughs> and life is based on technology right now, right? It's only going yeah. to evolve. So again, it's worth exploring when asset classes like that are so new. It also comes with a lot of risk and a lot of scams. <laughs> so it's important that you do your research. You do not put all your eggs in one basket. And I love that approach. And for me, similar, I'm continuing to invest, but I'm also being more, and we talk about this a lot too, outside of business and stuff. I'm also being more particular about seeking opportunities, especially now that there are a lot of opportunities in a down market, a uncertain economy, 
And I say this, I've said this on the podcast a lot, but when you look back to like recessions, depressions, we're not quote unquote in a recession yet, according to the news, although it may feel like it, right? But they're like jobs, the job market is climbing, but inflation is killing us. But hey, I don't know. But anyway, (laughs) when you look at the history of recessions, economic declines, economic uncertainty, this is the season where people step out of their comfort zones. People get creative. People get aggressive on their goals and the highest number of millionaires and billionaires arrive in these difficult, dark moments. So my challenge to you is why not you? Why can you not be one of those people who takes advantage of the insane opportunities that are presenting themselves right now, but that you have to look for, right? Classic example of when there were crazy opportunities in a dark time was during 2020, right? It was a horrible year, but there were also many opportunities for many people to make a lot of money. And there are a lot of, let me call them pandemic millionaires that stepped out of that dark time because they got uncomfortable, they got creative, they found a distraction from the hideous news, and they made something out of nothing. They made something work for them. So for me, I'm looking for opportunities cautiously. Because listen, yo, these scams out in the streets. <laughs> yes, indeed. But it's true. You have to do it. And I think, like you said, when you have the kind of time, because I remember in 2020 when the market specifically was down so bad, people were like, "Uh oh, what is going to happen? We were also facing a lot of health challenges, right? Mm-hmm. So when multiple things are happening at the same time, you're just like, uh, what should I do? And it could be hard to really think about opportunity. But if you can find a little time in the day, even after having maybe a really hard day, I remember having such really hard days during that time, but still I would manage to try to clear, take a nice bath, <laughs> you know, have a little glass of wine and try to wind down at the end of the day, but also go online and look at the markets and see what else I can pick up and buy with the little bit of extra money that I had available. So that's why it's it's really important to sort of be conservative in terms of where you're putting the energy that goes out into the world. Yeah, your time, right? yeah. So be cautious about that. I know when times get hard, it's very easy to just focus on those negative things and just be like, oh my God, I need to solve or figure out this specific problem, but save a little bit of energy to also think about opportunities and solutions like Bola is talking about, you know, and like what you're doing right now. This is great. Even when people are talking about how the market is going to go down, you're like, no, what can we do? What are some other things that I can invest in? How can I continue to diversify? And having that mentality is really what's going to get you to that next level. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree with what you said. Be cautious about how you you focus your energy, you channel your energy, you channel your time. It's easy to fall into that pity party mode, woe is me. But then it's also not that difficult to get yourself into a good distraction, right? Keyword, good, right? Ways to make money, ways to improve yourself, ways to adjust your mindset. You guys can hear my kids in the background, but <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> so talk about distractions. <laughs> I know. Like mom, mom. <laughs> but yeah, that's great advice. So Julie, this has been great. I really wanted you to come on real quick and just have this investing conversation because every other email we get is 
about investing now and or Instagram message or, you know, it's just a lot of stress for a lot of people, especially if you're just starting your investing journey or wondering what the heck is going on. Or if you've saved a significant amount of money, you're seeing it decline and you're like, oh my God, what is going on? So this is a helpful conversation. Of course, as I mentioned earlier, Julie's website and her Instagram has tons of resources. Clever Girl Finance also has tons of articles on investing. We have our free courses. So definitely check that out and listen to Julie's prior episode from the Grow Your Money book, book two, and that's episode 136. So Julie, before I let you go, you got to tell us, and you know, this is coming. <laughs> what is your Clever Girl superpower? Have you updated it? Is it still the same? Oh, I don't remember what you told me, but you have to tell us again. <laughs> right. Well, you know what? I actually feel like my superpower is getting through hard times. You know, the last time that we spoke, things were pretty good. Honestly, it was 2019. The market was up. There weren't a lot of things to complain about. And it was, no, it was 2020 February. Your it was February 2020. Was 20, yeah. You didn't even know that. <laughs> a few weeks later, the world was going to change. 360. Yeah. So everything completely changed and times got really hard. And my superpower was that I got through it. I got through it. I kept investing. I've figured out, you know, what works well for me and for my family. And I've been able to help people, you know, be kind of like that lending ear, because that's a big part of the financial journey, making sure that you have somebody to talk to and just brainstorm through some of these problems. Because eventually, like if you have that, you're going to become stronger. And so my superpower is definitely getting through the hard times. (laughs) I love that. I love that. And please tell everyone where they can find you. I know I've mentioned it, but if there's any other spots and just a final reminder. (laughs) Yeah. So my final reminder for all of you is always keep investing. Keep investing through the good, through the bad. Keep investing because you're going to look back 5, 10, 15 years from now. And when we're all going to retire in in 20 years, we're going to be like, oh my gosh, that was the best thing that I could have done. And that's just based on statistics, okay? That's just based on what numbers, what the market does. And I promise that if you keep consistent, you're going to look back and be happy that you did. You can find me on Instagram, on Twitter, and on TikTok. (laughs) And I'm also... I have videos up on YouTube as well. So thank you so much for having me again. Thank you so much for being (laughs) here. I appreciate you being here as always. And I hope you guys found this episode helpful. And we will talk to you next time. Thank you, everyone. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. And I hope you enjoyed it. If you've loved the episode, but you don't yet subscribe to the podcast, You can do that everywhere you listen to your podcast episodes and head on over to iTunes and leave a review so other amazing women just like you can find this podcast as well. Thank you so much for being here and I'll talk to you on the next episode.